In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Last Sunday for us was the first Sunday after Christmas Day, today being the second Sunday after Christmas Day. But for our Roman Catholic neighbors, last Sunday was called the Feast of the Holy Family. And the Holy Family refers, of course, to Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus, that, that Holy Family in all capital letters, the Holy Family that is symbolized in our little creche over there, just three people. As a formal day, it's a fairly recent celebration in the history of the church. It only became popular in the 19th century. Pope Leo VIII put it forward as a a feast day and an important day for the church. And a few years ago, I was off on this Sunday, and I was in a Roman Catholic church, and I was, I was stunned at the emphasis of the day in that church on that day. It was all about Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And the implication made very strong and loud was that that was the ideal family. The father, mother, and child and more children if possible. (laughs) Over and over again, reproduce was said in that church. Well, of course, we could do with a little bit of that old-fashioned church building here. But we have a different emphasis on that Sunday and this one. And I think a part of that is, is looking closely at Scripture in our tradition and meditating with it and really asking questions of the Scripture What is the Holy Family? What does the Holy Family look like? How does the Holy Family interact, intersect with our lives? The Gospel, and indeed all of Holy Scripture, give us images of family that go way beyond that original Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and and Joseph. In fact, from the very beginning, if you think about it, that family was sort of exploded wide open. There in the quiet of the manger, that back away place, suddenly there are visitors. The shepherds stumble in, smelling like the fields and the flocks that they tend. And then before long, the magi come, those three wise ones, Uh, Tradition varies over whether they were three kings, whether they were Persian astrologers, astronomers, uh, whether they were simply wise ones, soothsayers. Whoever they were, they seemed important and grand, and they burst this little gathering with their gifts and their presence. If we look at the holy couple, Mary and Joseph themselves, they're a pretty unlikely pair. We looked at this a little bit together in Advent. But again, tradition tells us that Joseph was probably much older. He probably had been married previously. He had children by a former spouse who probably died. Some traditions then refer to Joseph always as the foster father of Jesus, thereby preserving uh, the virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Whatever is the case, he seems to have been older. He seems to probably have died by the time of the crucifixion, because notice that Joseph is not there on Calvary. 
And then Mary, we've looked at again, as not the most likely mother for the Christ, for the Son of God. Probably a teenager, uneducated from a family no one ever really heard of, from a backwater, from a small place. Nothing particularly about her that commends her as the mother of God. And so that's the couple. Joseph, this minor carpenter, maybe a repairman of his day, Mary, unlettered, um, they have Jesus. Right at the beginning, others join them. As Jesus grows, the same thing happens. He seems to expand the family. Remember that wonderful story from the Gospel of Luke when Jesus is 12 years old and the family is going to the temple and they get caught up in the crowd. I thought of that yesterday at the Metropolitan Museum as the crowds were huge. It was probably like that going to Jerusalem. And so Jesus gets separated, probably off to play with his buddies or something. But after a while, Mary and Joseph are concerned Their concern moves into anger when they see him looking completely peaceful. They probably scolded him. Jesus, where have you been? We were worried. There were no cell phones after all. Jesus looks at them, bewildered. I was in my father's house. Speaking of the temple as his father's house, as though it were just an ordinary thing which means that the people in his father's house were family also. When Jesus is a little older and he's preaching and healing and teaching and causing controversy, people are talking, there's gossip, there are rumors, uh, his family begins to worry about him again. The gospel says that his family goes and finds him and they try to take him home because they're worried about him. This religion thing is good enough as far as it goes, but it's gone too far. Bring him home. What does Jesus do? He tells his disciples to send word that his disciples are his brothers and sisters, his new family. Imagine what that must have sounded like to Mary, to his siblings to those who thought of themselves as his only family. And so Jesus continues to grow his family. He grows it throughout, and before long he's he's including people as family who don't really have families of their own, prostitutes and tax collectors and Roman soldiers who were thought to have been the complete sellout. Jesus invites the very poor and the very rich. All of them come into his new understanding of family. We continue to follow in this holy family. This holy family that always has surprises, that always invites people to the table that maybe we ourselves might not have invited. Church is a holy family, and there are always those odd cousins and in-laws that you'd rather not have, but you're sort of stuck with because they're family. In every church I've ever served, there is one of these sort of misfit family members, and there will come a time when someone will come up to me and they'll say, you know, can't we do something to encourage this person to find another church home? (laughs) I try to listen to that with a little bit of compassion, but I then tell them, you know, even if this person were to leave our parish, 
their replacement would be here the next day. (laughs) It's just the way churches are. It's the way families are. There's always that odd cousin who says things they shouldn't. There's always that aunt or uncle that goes a little too far. It's just the way it is with family. It always has been. It always will be. But that biblical family, that expanded family, when it's at its most faithful, does at least three things. And I think we can follow that holy family in doing those same three things. We can listen, listen for God. We can hold each other close. And we can move forward, come what may. Like Mary and Joseph, we can listen for God's clues. Joseph heard God speak to him through dreams, through visions. He heard because he was listening. He must have heard a lot of other competing voices, but Joseph was able to hear God. That's a good model for us, to listen for God no matter what. Even when voices of cynicism are all around saying that prayer is of no use, that God isn't talking to us, that things of the day are the most important, no, we can listen. We listen to God through prayer. We listen to God through tradition. We listen to God through the church. We listen to God through one another, especially in this new year. What is God saying? What is God saying to you? What is God saying to me? What is God saying to Holy Trinity? What would God have us do in this new year of faith? Who would God have us be? Like the Holy Family, we hold each other close. We cherish one another. Even when there are members of this Holy Family that we might not have chosen ourselves. Christ has brought us together. Who are we to choose who's in and out? It's Christ's family. It's his party. It's his table. When we extend the peace of Christ, it's his peace. It doesn't matter if I've gotten along well with a person I might shake a hand to. It's the peace of Christ that transcends any peace I ever might be able to come up with. And so we give thanks for those God has put in our family to challenge us, to comfort us, to help us grow, to help us deepen, to show us what love looks like. With prayer, with Christian maturity, we can become thankful even for those who make us mad, who rile us up, because we can understand with the eyes of faith the fragility of life, the quickness with which all of this can end. And so we live in gratitude and we hold each other close. And finally, with Mary and Joseph, there comes that time when we have prayed and listened and we're holding on close and it's time to move. Notice in today's gospel, Joseph moved a lot. He, he took Mary and Joseph to where it was safe. And so we follow, we choose life, and we try to share it as fully as possible. We follow the one Christ who conquered death itself, and we follow him closely, knowing that he will never, ever leave us. And so we can reach out for others along the way. We can give of ourselves, of our creativity, of our money, of our time. We can give it all. 
with energy and love for those who suffer, for those who need. Through Christ, we can begin to see just how big our family really is. The family of God gives us strength. In the family of God, we can find new gifts and skills and abilities and passions perhaps we never knew we had. In the family of God, we can find new ways to support one another, even as we learn to allow others to support us. And it is with the family of God that we step into a new year. Around New Year's Day, I always think of a poem by Tennyson, and I often sort of meditate on it as a prayer for the new year. Uh, But just recently, I was reading about this poem, and I was struck that for Tennyson, the poem was written in the context of family. Tennyson had a good friend, his best friend, who was engaged to marry his sister, and this best friend died far too young, far too soon. And so Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote a poem in memory of his friend called simply In Memoriam. But there's a section of it that is especially appropriate for this day, for this new year, as we think about who God calls us to be as God's family. Tennyson wrote, Ring out, wild bells. Ring out the false, ring in the true. Ring out the grief that saps the mind for those that here we see no more. Ring out the feud of rich and poor. Ring in redress to all humanity. Ring out a slowly dying cause and ancient forms of party strife. Ring in the nobler forms of life with sweeter manners, purer laws. Ring in the valiant one and free, the larger heart, the kindlier hand. Ring out the darkness of the land. Ring in the Christ that is to be. May God bless our families, the ones we are born into and out of, the families we choose, the families of God's own good making. As we ring in the new year, May we do it with faith and love and compassion. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.